Lori, the recording is in progress. Here we are, finally, at last. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Talks with Thompson podcast. Uh, I am joined today by Lori O'Hara, who is a digital marketer, social media manager, and content creator for uh, is it, it's Keene State College, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, in New Hampshire. So, hey, thanks for, thanks for joining the podcast. I really appreciate your time. How are you doing I'm today? I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to jump in. So um, I think we're going to have a lot to, to talk about since we're both in the same sort of industry doing similar things. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what you do at King State College and how you kind of fell into that role? Yeah, fell into it is definitely the right way to describe it. Um, so <laughs> at King State... <laughs> Um, I wear a lot of different hats. So I was hired as a social media specialist and a writer. So my primary responsibilities are doing the content creation strategy, community management, most of the bells and whistles for all of our flagship accounts. Um, and then on top of that, I do a lot of writing. So that could be anything from interviewing students or alumni for short stories to feature on the website or you know, writing a lot of admissions materials. So um, postcards that we mail, emails that we send out, um, any kind of uh, piece that our admissions counselors take on the road with them you know, in a non-COVID year. Um, so yeah, I, um, they definitely keep me pretty busy, but it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's been, yeah, it's been great. I've been there about three years now. Um, and fell into it is definitely the right word because this is my first job in higher education. Um, okay. Prior to this job, my, yeah, my background is really primarily in public relations and I kind of fell into that industry as well. But um, mm -hmm. as I found myself in New Hampshire and um, the previous position I had was at an art gallery that ended up closing, I started poking around just to kind of see what's available in the area and Keene State had an opening on their marketing team and the skill sets that they were looking for were definitely a match for what I could contribute. And it just felt like kismet. And um, yeah. it's been a fast three years. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, time it, it, it's weird. Higher ed is, 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 a, is bizarre from a time perspective. It's like, sometimes it moves extremely fast and then sometimes it's like a snail's pace. It's very slow. <laughs> yes. How do, how do you, how do you, how do you manage that? Like, is it almost always really busy for you or do you have some slow periods over the summer? Uh, typically in the summer, it would be slow. Yes. This past summer, not so much with um, all the changes that COVID brought. Um, we did through a period of, you know, having some furloughed employees. So my workload actually increased, right. um, which I think was pretty standard in our industry during that time. Yep. Um, and that pace hasn't really diminished for me. Um, some team members ended up taking like an early retirement package, which, you know, great for them. Um, excited that they get to kind of enjoy that next phase of life, but um, it's increased my workload. <laughs> um, but, you know, for the most part, everything I get to work on is, is different and exciting um, and really creative. We, we have a lot of freedom to kind of create and if we have you know a wild idea um 90 of the time it's like yeah go for it make it happen um so that's really rewarding um you know we i think we got connected through the higher ed social group on facebook right 
That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that community and, um, you're, everyone is just very giving and supportive of, of one another. How did, how did you find, find the hired social folks? You know, I don't remember. I think I've been in that group a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably listening to some podcast or watching some webinar and someone mentioned it and I was like, I need to be a part of that. Um, and I don't remember which one it was at this point, but yeah, ever since joining, it's just been so great to be in that community. I mean, as in a lot of my work, I function as a team of one, especially when it comes to the social media work, um, so getting to kind of you know, hear of other people who are in my position and what creative things they're doing or what challenges they have and how they've overcome it has been, you know, really helpful to kind of spitball ideas back and forth and feel like, you know, there are a lot of resources out there to kind of help. Yeah, we really see the whole spectrum of, of emotions in that group, right? I mean, in one sense, like we meet all of these really wonderful and supportive folks that, that help us out, we help them out. And then we also see the crisis comms announcements like, hey, guess what? Something's on fire. Help me, uh, talk me off the ledge here. And then um, sometimes we see, you know, as you said, we see some of the, the furlough announcements that are heartbreaking. And um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad nevertheless that, that you found me through the group and, that, and, and, and we're talking. So uh, this, this podcast is primarily for undergraduates, uh, undergraduate marketing students, graphic designers, uh, folks in the communications professions. And um, I'm curious, like, how did, how did you find your, your footing in, in PR and in marketing and communications? I see that uh, you're an MBA student right now. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Yeah, so Mark, yeah, it's, it's going well. <laughs> I'm doing it part time. So it's, one class at a time, but the end is in sight. I'm two thirds of the way through it. So that's, that's really great. Um, but you know, when I was in college, PR marketing was an industry that was not on my radar at all. Um, in high school, I dreamed of becoming an environmental lawyer. So I thought that was the route that I was going to take. Okay. And then I got to college and took a law class and was like, oh no, like this is not for me. Um, <laughs> So I think that happens to a lot of people where, you know, you think you're on this path and then it's like, oh no, this is not what I thought it was going to be. This doesn't, this doesn't resonate with me the way I, I thought it would. What do I do now? Um, and I really enjoyed my, you know, um, I, I had gone and want to be an um, environmental studies major, but I had a few friends taking our history classes. So like, just for fun, like I joined them for a few and I ended up really falling in love with art history. So my senior year, I switched my majors. Then I, my advisor like wanted to kill me because he was like, you're <laughs> like close to graduating. What are you doing? Um, but I had taken, you know, all my prereqs and done enough things before that I could, you know, kind of make my senior year like 90% art history classes, which was amazing. That's incredible. Um, yeah, which is really a lot of fun. Um, Holyoke College has a great art art history program and you know I kind of thought I would go into that arts world um but I should also mention I graduated in 2008 which was the last recession um and those jobs just kind of you know weren't available um in the way that I had thought they would be so um and talking with a family friend you know they kind of looked at everything I had done 
as an undergrad student and kind of were like, you know, you should look at public relations. And I was like, well, why do you say that? And it was because I had been really involved on campus as a student leader. So I was really involved in my class board, planning events for, you know, my fellow classmates, getting the word out about that. Um, I had a big hand in planning all the student aspects of, you know, our class's graduation. So I just, I had a lot of experience doing that as a student. And, you know, once I figured out what public relations was, I was like, I guess that sounds interesting. So that's kind of how I fell in to that and, you know, really loved it. Um, kind of the vein of everything I've done has been about storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, so like in art history, it's, you know, what is this piece of art? What is the story it's telling you? Um, and then that kind of morphed into what stories am I telling through my work, um, whether it's as a publicist or a social media creator um, or, you know, a digital marketing um, writer. So um, that's when kind of the, the vein that I've been following. It's, it's really cool to hear your story with how like you pivoted uh, in your senior year and then moved right into art history because I used to teach art history and and yeah. from that story that storytelling aspect of, of art history it's just rich and the it's immersive and um, I find myself being inspired by mythology as well and just how dense and immersive some of the details of some of the the processes or even just the origin stories of some work, uh, what that is. Um, it, it is really inspiring in that respect. Out of curiosity, what, what kind of art style or movement resonated with you? Um, I would have to say like ancient Roman art that really, I really loved all, like as you said, the mythology and the stories um, and how it all kind of worked together. Those are ones that I really enjoyed, but you know, I really, that was the great thing about the ma major. I got to take, you know, a wide variety. So, you know, my, I loved my film studies class. Um, I did a course on um, Asian art. So we got to look at, you know, Japanese art, Indian art, Chinese art. That was really fascinating to see. Um, and then we did some, you know, postmodern art. So, you know, I really have an appreciation for all kinds of art. So not, not being able to go to museums and art galleries in the past year has been hard, but. <laughs> no, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so uh, I have to, I, I have to laugh because I taught design history for seven years, every, every year. And so my interests are more graphic design specific, but also skew a bit more contemporary. But one of the things that mm -hmm. I would always get questions on from the students are like, how in the hell is art history going to matter to me in my profession? And fortunately, you have resolved that question for me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and I kind of used to like be one of them. Like I made art history my major because I just loved the stick matter and really wanted to be majoring in something that I enjoyed. And, you know, I had relatives and other people being like, art history, what are you going to do with that? And um, luckily it was through a liberal arts education. So I had a lot of other skills that I had learned. So I was like, I'll be fine. I'm not worried. And now, you know, 10 years into my career being a social media manager, um, all of those light bulbs kind of clicked. And I was yeah. like, oh, well, you're telling stories on social media too. Like the visuals that you pair with your captions are really, really important. And so I feel like having that background and kind of dissecting artwork and dissecting images 
um, really kind of gives me a leg up and, you know, how we choose which photos, which videos, um, how just the look and feel of our social media kind of comes together. And, you know, I would even go as far as to say that having to study something so detail intensive, I think would also help prepare you for your graduate degree uh, with your MBA. Yes, there's a lot of detail in the MBA program. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to pursue that was because, you know, being at Keene State and doing more digital marketing work, I really fell in love with that side of communications and really wanted to do my master's in marketing. Um, an MBA with a marketing specialization was kind of as close as I could get. Um, yeah. But surprisingly, I've enjoyed a lot of my non-marketing classes. So like my economics of competition class, like I really enjoyed. And now I can listen to like NPR segments and be like, I understand what they're talking about. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's it's been kind of great to kind of learn about the different degrees and practice, best practices of businesses and kind of see how that all puts together, um, how that gets to put together to kind of enhance and define a marketing strategy, because that's just one element of a, a business. So, uh, so you'll be graduating soon with your marketing degree, and it sounds like what you're, you're learning is augmenting what you do during the day, your actual, uh, com, you know, Marcom work. Uh, and uh, I'm curious, uh, what, what are the steps that, do you have like a particular storytelling process? Like these are the steps. How do you approach uh, a, a general student story and, and try to maximize its impact? Yeah, so we kind of have like a loose rubric we try to use when we decide which stories we want to tell. Um, we're, we are a small team. We, there's only so many hours of the day, um, even though there's so many interesting, cool, and amazing stories that come out of King State. Like our students and professors are really active and accomplish a lot. Um, we really try to, you know, narrow down having those like um, content themes or like content buckets um, or content pillars, they're also sometimes called. So we really focus on stories that, you know, tell the story of Keene State, that share student success, that demonstrate what it's like to be a Keene State student. Our prospective students are really curious about what student life looks like. Um, we also um, want to tell the story of like student support. So, you know, at Key State College, one of our key messages is that you're joining a supportive community. So we try to find stories where that's really um, illustrated. So from there, uh, once we find a really great story, which there are too many to tell, which is too bad I wish I could clone myself and tell all of them. Um, we really... <laughs> Yeah, so in our interviews with, you know, our students or faculty or alumni um, or what have you, we really try to get a range of, of quotes from them. So something that we could, um, you know, kind of weave into a story that makes sense for the website. Um, and then how do we pull out those quotes for to use on social media? Or is there a way that we can weave some of those quotes um, and photos in our development materials and kind of, you know, help in the fundraising? Um, or how do those stories like work their way into admissions material. So we, we do try to tell those stories in a variety of different ways. Um, so that definitely keeps it interesting. Yeah, and uh, that'll, that'll sounds great. And one of the things that I like about our particular group and especially Marcom folks 
uh, in, in the higher ed sector is that we all approach storytelling very differently. Um, I know that when I started my job at the University of Pittsburgh, my uh, supervisor at the time, when I interviewed, uh, he's like, just so you know, 97% of this job is, is writing. And uh, that's because my predecessor was a journalist and, and he was really good. And he was exceptional at crafting stories with language. Um, and then I came on board and my supervisor realized like, oh, he's actually really good at telling stories a different way, visually. So what ended up happening was it, it helped diversify our, our marketing mix and, and our, our storytelling output. Do you do uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of work with graphic designers on the storytelling front, or um, how do you approach a story visually? Yeah, so I'm really lucky in that um, it, when it comes to the creative assets, I have uh, two people on my team who are really talented in those areas. So I'm kind of the wordsmith strategy piece of our social, um, okay. what we do on social, and we have a really talented videographer and photographer, um, and we also have a, a graphic designer. Um, so between the three of us, we, you know, create really amazing things. So, you know, with Will, our photographer, videographer, like we'll do, um, you know, more vlogs, more videos, storytelling, um, or like mini, um, mini videos for social, like with our graphic designer. Um, we have a new one, so um, who's, she's only two weeks into her new job, but um, I'm excited to work with her. But our previous um, graphic designer really helped create, you know, like gifts or motion graphics mm -hmm. or templates that we could use on stories, for example. Like that was something we did a lot last year since we were um, not on campus for the second half of the spring semester. Um, try, especially trying to connect with our graduating seniors, trying to give them opportunities to kind of, you know, celebrate their graduation even though we weren't all together. So I think between the three of us, like we've got a wealth of expertise and knowledge and it's really fun to find different ways to piece that together. You've got a well-rounded team and the, the parts that form the, the whole are really multidisciplinary and complementary in that respect. So it makes, Absolutely. Small, it makes, it makes small teams or small shops, not only effective and efficient, but uh, impactful. Uh, and, and that's awesome to hear because to your point, like not everyone has that. We, we are in a community of uh, a lot of one man teams and mm -hmm. it just seems like the, the volume of work that we have is insurmountable at times. Um, I'm curious, uh, considering your, your PR background, um, how did, how did you guys handle, uh, the initial wave of the COVID outbreak and, and students uh, staying home. What was, what was that like? Was that a really stressful time for you? And, and how did you manage your, your stress if you were stressed? Yeah, so <laughs> I think everyone was stressed. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. yeah, so it, it was a stressful time just because everything we had planned for the semester um, whether that was social media or admissions outreach or like digital ad campaigns that all had to be redone um, because none of it made sense anymore. You know, our ads saying come visit campus, like doesn't, don't make sense anymore. Um, and so 
gosh, there was like a three week period where I think we all were like pulling all nighters just to try to like get everything turned around and, um, and just like making sure that our students felt supported. So, um, my, my supervisor, um, was really took on the role of handling our internal communication. So how we were communicating with students, the decisions we were making about going to remote and what does that mean and, and what happens next. Um, and I really took the lead on revising all of our admissions outreach, um, helping our admissions team rework what we were going to do on our admitted student day to make it virtual. I think we stood up like a brand new website with a ton of resources and videos for them within like two weeks so that they could have, feel like they could explore and kind of check out campus without being on campus. Um, so that was really, you know, kind of going into the vault and digging out a ton of videos and other content we had already created over the years and repurposing and putting it together in a new way that would make sense for our, um, our admitted students. So and how do I deal with that stress? <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of a blur. <laughs> um, but for me, I think, especially as a social media manager, disconnect, finding ways to disconnect from social media is really important. Yeah. That can be really challenging as a team of one, um, but really giving myself the discipline to, you know, be like, okay, turn off notifications. We're going to get a good night's sleep. The notifications will be there in the morning um, and we'll just move, go from there um, because it did feel like for a while it was just like a crisis and like everyone had questions about what was happening and what do I do now? Um, and I think a lot of times people forget that when you're a social media manager, it's, it's part, um, um, that's what I'm looking for, uh, customer service. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of fielding yeah. questions and directing people to like the right offices or the right email addresses or the right people who has the answers to their questions. Cause at the time I did, de I definitely didn't have all the answers. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so folks, if you're listening, we had to take a quick break because uh, my daughter needed me. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we were talking about uh, the mental health aspect of, of pressure that social media managers had felt. And, and Lori was talking about some of her uh, her coping strategies and how she uh, overcame that. And um, you know, in, in, a, in a previous podcast, I had uh, asked about the, the mental health aspect of, of social media managers. And so like anytime I talk to someone that does social media, I have to ask about it because we all have different stressors, different pressure, and we're all reacting to that differently. Um, and it sounds like you, you know, you, like you pulled some late nighters and, or all nighters rather, and you certainly felt the, the stress, but you kind of ground, you grinded your way through it. Yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, we're not, you know, launching rockets into space. We're not curing That's cancer. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, it's important to kind of force yourself to take that time away from your work, even when it feels like it's piling up, uh, because it will, it will be there tomorrow. And, right. uh, the world is, the world is not going to stop. If you forget to schedule a social media post, or you don't reply to someone within 24 hours, um, it's going to be okay. And, um, 
you know, that that's such a great way to look at it because I feel like a, a good portion of the, the social media higher ed community, like not a lot of people think that way. They they feel like they have to be on or they are responsible. And in one sense, like I understand how like I'm the manager of this account. This is my domain. Um and the importance and responsibility that comes with that. My, my perspective on the social media manager job, it, speaking generally, obviously there's nuance, but speaking generally, like where you are in the hierarchy of, of a communications department in an institution, it's like that's, there's not a lot of ownership necessarily with different types of of services. And social media is one of those things where you can really take ownership of it. So. I always understand our peers to be very dedicated to that ownership and ensuring that the work that's going on there is as best as they can make it. And I think that speaks volumes of the, the work ethic. Uh, of, of yeah, I'm people. constantly impressed by, you know, everyone in the higher ed group on Facebook and how hard everyone works and how on everyone is all the time. Um, and I definitely fall victim to that myself. You know, I'm definitely a high productive worker, a uh, high volume of output myself. Um, but I've noticed that if I keep on that track, I get burned out a little easily. Um, so it's important to kind of give yourself grace and give yourself time to kind of recharge. Because um, the wonderful thing about being a social media manager is that it is such a creative job. You can like try new things. And, um, you know, we do have a lot of freedom to try different types of posts. But if you're constantly on the hamster wheel, you're not going to get any new creative ideas. You're going to suffer from that burnout. So it's it's important to try to find that balance. I'm curious, uh, Lori, do you take on any side work? Do you run social media for any folks outside of higher ed, like any small businesses, or do you do any work on the side? Not at the moment. Um, my full-time job and then being in grad school part-time is definitely feels like <laughs> enough for me right now. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, but probably when, when grad school is over, I'll probably miss that side hustle. Um, yeah, some, some of my grad school classes I spend um, outside of work hours, 10 to 15 hours doing reading and work and projects and writing yeah. papers. So um, that's enough for me. It'll right be now. worth it in the end. It'll be worth yeah. it in the end. Um, uh, I'm curious if, if you have any uh, advice for... Um, undergraduate marketing folks or uh, communicators, undergraduate communicators, comms folks, creatives um, on, you know, how, how, once they graduate, what advice would you give them on starting their careers? Um, what kind of pointers would, would you give them? Yeah, so for people um, or undergrads particularly interested in marketing, I would say never underestimate the written word. Uh, writing is so important. Um, it's something I teach my interns. They think that they can write a, you know, a caption for Instagram in five minutes. And <laughs> I always say, we got to go back to the drawing board on this one. Like you've missed some information and we have to right. find out a way to communicate it in less sentences. Um, so while it seems really simple, I think um, continuing to develop, find ways to develop your writing skills is really important. Um, and on the flip side of that, um, I would also say like learning is important. So that's something that, you know, my education has instilled in me. Um, and it's, some, it's a way to 
continue to be inspired. So no matter what industry you go into in marketing, there will be resources, conferences, webinars, podcasts specific to your industry. And I would encourage students to just find those, dive into them, learn everything you can, because it's going to help position you um, for greater opportunities in the long run. So I have to ask this because graphic designers, in my experience, and it's not like this everywhere, but designers, especially artists. So, you know, this background, they don't necessarily like reading or writing. Um, There are a lot of artists that are amazing writers, but um, if you are a hands-on visual fine artist, like writing and reading is not necessarily your forte. what, how would you recommend, what, were, what would your recommendations be rather for uh, someone that is taking your advice on really trying to make the, the best writing possible? Uh, what would you offer, offer them in terms of how to get started? Um, in terms of just how to get started, I would maybe just start uh, journaling. Um, even just getting your thoughts out there on paper can, can help you create stronger sentences. Um, this might be counterintuitive, but reading actually can make people stronger writers. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So whatever genre you love reading, um, I would just consume and read as much as you can um, because you'll just learn more about sentence structure and how vocabulary can work together to tell a story. Um, and you'll just start absorbing that information and that'll make you a stronger writer as well. Yeah. Uh, reading. Uh, other writers, I, for me, a variety of different resources there, ranging from fiction and nonfiction. Uh, uh-huh. I don't read a lot of poetry, but I do read a lot of journalism, uh, and that ha- helps me profoundly. Um, even just looking at how other folks are constructing their tweets and posts, like, and, and just observing that has been hugely yeah. beneficial. Absolutely, and that's something I. Um do provide my interns because my, my, okay, so my interns run our student focused account, but then they also contribute articles to our website. So when they're just getting started writing articles for a website, it's a very different writing style than they've ever really been asked to do before. Um, it's different than writing a paper for a professor. It's different than writing an article for the school newspaper. Um, so I always try to give them examples that are kind of similar to the content or story that they're working on so that they can have that example to say like, okay, this is kind of the flow I need. This is kind of the direction the story needs to go. This mm-hmm. is how to like share those key messages without specifically saying, you know, Keene State has successful students, you know? Right. <laughs> um, how, do you, how do you illustrate that with what the student is actually accomplishing? So um, yeah, I think, I think just reading and consuming um, is, is really key for all of that. What are you reading right now? Oh gosh, a variety of things. I feel like I'm always reading like three different books. Um, <laughs> I'm just one of those people that pick up a book and find something else and then I'm like, I have to go back. So right now I'm making my way through um, Herding Tigers by Todd Henry. Um, it's a book about being a leader for creatives. Um, so I've, um, yeah, it's, it's a really good read so far already. I'm looking at things and being like, oh, this is something that I can bring to our team or, oh, this is something our team could work a little bit better on um, and, and work together more efficiently. Um, I'm also trying to work my way through Liz Gross's uh, new ebook about basically the end all be all, how to manage social media for higher ed. 
Um, that's from Canvas Sonar. Yes, yes, yeah. from Canvas Sonar. So I'm working my way through that. Um, and then something else that I picked up recently is um, Josie, Josie Alquist's book, Digital Leadership and Higher Education. Mm -hmm. um, I've been thumbing my way through that and um, haven't gotten as far in that as, as I was liked. Um, again, you know, with grad school, right? Sometimes I'm just reading all the time and I need a break. So. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, I'm reading the uh, this book, the uh, Comprehensive Field Guide for Social Media Strategies from NISM. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is you and I need to start a book club. <laughs> yes, that would be great. <laughs> all right. Well then. We'll, we'll, we'll settle up on that and do a whole other episode and maybe we can bring Liz or, or Josie on. And, and, or, yeah, uh, that would be great because, uh, I mean, and I discovered uh, some of those resources through the higher ed Facebook group. So mm -hmm. it's been really great to kind of um, get more resources and uh, learn how to do my job better. So I think, I think that's a trademark of uh, that any student could do too, is always be learning how to do your job better. Um, Absolutely. Well, for what it's worth, I would love to read a blog post about uh, more about your process and, and your approach to writing. I think that would be uh, really awesome and, and useful, especially if you're modeling it for interns to follow. Uh, it sounds like it's, it's been really successful for you. Um, we're, yeah. we're ending uh, our time together, unfortunately. So hopefully I can have you back on the podcast again when my daughter doesn't need anything. Uh, that was great. <laughs> uh, how can, how can uh, folks learn more about you? Maybe uh, reach out, get in touch if they have questions. Yeah, so they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm slash Lori O'Hara. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Lori O'Hara underscore. I will... <laughs> Say I'm a little embarrassed to not be super active there. It's something I'm working on. Um, I think as, so, as social media managers can understand my lack of wanting to be on social media in my downtime. Um, <laughs> but that is something I'm trying to keep up. And um, my website is laurieohara.com. You can find me there as well. All right, we'll do that. Well, thank you again so much for your time. And it was wonderful hearing your, your background and, and the work that you're doing in, in higher ed. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Great, thanks so much.